Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Today's message explains the truths of the gospel using four very simple words, and they each begin with the letter L. Evangelist Marvin Dirksen starts out with the word lost. Now this is a word that each of us are of course quite familiar with. Almost every day we hear the tragic news of some individual who is lost, and the desperate search is on to find them before it's too late. Or perhaps you yourself can recall being in a strange city and you make the uncomfortable discovery that you don't know where you are or where you're going and you're lost. Well, the truth is, you were actually lost before you even made that realization. Today, Mr. Marvin Dirksen begins with the Bible definition of lost and continues to explain the gospel with just three more words, left, loosed, and the best one of all, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 13, verse number 24 again. The words of the Lord Jesus, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence. That was taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me. All ye workers of iniquity, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. One final reading in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 5. John is writing to these seven churches which are in Asia, and in verse number five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And I'd just like to read that with one slight alteration. Unto him that loved us and loosed us, same word, and loosed us from our sins in his blood own blood. I'd like to leave just four words with you. You might say, well, that's a preacher thing. Well, sometimes we do use words as an outline. I trust you might understand that these four words really outline the gospel message. Words and truths that you really need to face tonight. Because we have read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about the tragic condition of being, here it is, lost, lost. 
Luke chapter 13 tells us of people that are, are left on the wrong side of a, a closed door. We have read in Revelation chapter 1 about those whose sins have been loosed, forgiven, released. We have read again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Lord. Your eternal destiny will hinge, will depend, not in your works, but on what you do with this blessed person, the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest difficulties that every gospel preacher faces is to seek by the help of God to make individuals aware of how they appear in God's sight. That is a difficult task because most people think that they're doing fine. They're not in prison. They're paying their bills. They're trying to live respectable lives for the most part. And so many feel that they have a, a fairly good chance of doing okay for time and if there is an eternity, for eternity as well. But the Bible makes it very clear that God has given us his evaluation. He has put his finger on our very condition. And one of the words he uses is this word lost. In fact, as Paul wrote to these believers in Corinth, he said, if our gospel is veiled, hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And one of the first things that God wants you to face, and you must face it, concerns this tragic and yet very personal condition, this problem. You are lost in your sins. There were five young people. Well, I think they're young people. They were between 18 and 30. So they were young people. Entered into a seven-mile cave in West Virginia. They were going for a, a day's hike in this cavern. Now, I don't know if anyone had been there before, as far as this party of five were concerned. Some of them were experienced explorers. Some of them were, were novices. But five young people entered the mouth of that seven-mile-long cave to spend a day exploring. They had a bit of food, not too much. They had a few flashlights. They were dressed for the 50-degree temperature that was going to be in that cave, and they thought, this is going to be a, a great adventure. I'm not sure when they decided to head back to the car, but before long they discovered, we can't find the right way. And they continued the search for 48 hours, two days. By hour number 32, two of them decided they, they had finally stopped. They had kind of bunkered down. They were trying to stay warm. They, they'd only had some very casual light clothing on. But at the 32-hour mark, two of them said, we're, we're going to make one more try. And they left. And eight hours later, they came back and they said, we're lost again. We can't find the way out. And the only thing that tipped off the people on the outside was the fact that there was a car parked in the parking lot that was there in the morning, was there at night. And they called rescuers in, men that rescued people that, that knew the area, knew the cave. And after eight hours, they returned because they were afraid of getting lost themselves. And by hour number 48, three of the five had begun to pray. You know why? They made a tremendous discovery. We are lost. You know, that's what the gospel message is all about. Not as far as finding your way out of a cave, but finding where you're heading. That's why this book puts so much emphasis on the fact that we have to face this truth, this reality. We are lost. How important is it? The Lord Jesus took a whole chapter, at least as far as our Bibles are concerned, he used three very simple and yet pressing stories to make us and his audience aware of what it means to be lost. He spoke about a, a sheep, one of a hundred that wandered away. Now, he didn't intend to get lost. He was just looking for some more grass. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, it seems. And so this, this little sheep, 
very innocently just began to move off from the from the rest of the of the flock. And there came a moment when well, I don't know if he ever just ever realized it, but this little sheep was lost. He was lost with regard to his relationship to the to the shepherds. He was lost with regard to his relationship to the rest of the sheep. And he was lost in the tremendous danger of realities around him. And one of the greatest discoveries you could ever make, and I'm looking at these young men here, teenagers scattered through this audience and older ones as well. One of the greatest discoveries you could ever make is this discovery, I am lost and I am in danger perishing. The Lord Jesus spoke about a coin. A woman had 10 coins, possibly part of a dowry or part of her treasure chest or whatever the case was. But somehow one of those coins likely just slipped down in the back of the, of the bureau and was lying in the darkness. The sheep was in danger. The coin was in darkness. It was helpless. Coins don't have any life. They, they can't say, hey, I'm over here. Find me over here. It was lying there in its helplessness. And you know, as you move through life, you are absolutely helpless to save yourself. I think that's what these five individuals had to discover. They tried to find a way out. They prayed for a rescue. They did everything they could possibly do. But they came to understand we are lost in our helplessness. And if that is not enough, the Lord Jesus told about a, a young son. And he made a choice. He said, Dad, I'm, I'm out of here. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he took what his father gave him and he headed for the, for the bright lights of the city. And he lived it up. He sure did. He tried everything there was to try. Till the moment came when the famine arose, when he ran out of his resources, when his friends left him. And for the first time in his life, he discovered, I am lost. Lost in his relationship to his father. And as you take all that the Bible speaks of with regard to this simple, all-important word, lost, you understand it's one of the greatest needs that we need to face. Your sins have separated you from God, and sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go. Don't fool yourself. I've been preaching long enough to see young men that used to sit in the front seats, but you could hardly pay them to come to a gospel meeting now. They've heard it all, and they've made choices, and they've gone down the road. Sin will take you an awful lot further than you ever intended to go, and it'll cost you more than you ever intended to pay. Sin is costly business, and sin will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. It's serious to be lost, and if our gospel be hated, it is hid to them that are lost. I wonder, have you ever faced that? Have you ever acknowledged, oh God, I'm on the wrong side of that door. I'm heading for the wrong destination. I am lost. Because as someone said, it's very difficult to get lost in familiar ground. And I'm sure there are young people here, maybe older ones, and you've heard this message. And you figure, there's going to come a day when I can just put everything together. I can just figure it out. I can just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll be saved. And so that moment will come. And you're in familiar territory, but you've never discovered, I am lost. I'm on the wrong road. And so this word, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. But we've been reminded of Luke chapter 13. You know, Luke 13 is, is a very, very solemn portion as we've been hearing because we have read of individuals that were left, left. And you know what, what is really sobering to me concerns the words that they spoke to the man on the other side of the door. Lord, Lord, open to us. And then they said, Lord, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and thou hast taught in our streets. You know what that means in our context here tonight? Lord, we were sitting at the gospel meeting. 
We, we had a Bible, Sunday school Bible that we earned. We knew all the verses. In fact, we actually sat at the breaking of bread. We've eaten and drunk in thy presence. We, we saw our parents do that. They had the right words. They were associated with right things. They knew divine truth thou hast taught in our streets. Lord, we, we knew the Bible. You know what the problem was? They never entered in. And the open door that's still open tonight by the grace of God, a moment came when it swung shut. The coming of the Lord is drawing near, near. He could come tonight. And if the Lord Jesus returned tonight, and I know you've heard that, but you know, one of, one of these days, as surely as I stand before you tonight, one of these days, a preacher's going to say that for the very last time, and it'll happen. It really will. And when that door swings shut, there isn't a man or a woman or a boy or girl that will be able to pry it open. One scoffer, a young man, said, well, he says, when one door closes, another door will open. Preacher said to him, he says, you're right. When the door of heaven swings shut, the door of hell swings wide open. And men and women and young people that intended to be saved, intended to get into that open door, intended to land in heaven, will be left, left for all eternity. What a tragedy. What an awakening. What an abandonment. And the language of Luke 13 is sobering. Thrust. Cast them into utter darkness. And the force of God's power will be overwhelming. No hand will be able to stay him. As men and women that have refused Christ, have neglected the open door, that thought they have lots of time, that were familiar with spiritual things but never put much value on it personally, they will knock at a closed door and they'll be left, left for the endless ages of eternity. I, I wonder who here is not only lost but will be left. I'm so thankful for what we have read in Revelation chapter 1 because Revelation chapter 1 takes us into the very presence of God to a group of people who have been saved. They'll be singing. But you know, the singing of the redeemed in heaven will far exceed anything that we've ever heard. And they'll sing of a person unto him who loved us and who loosed us from our sins. I wonder if there's anyone here with, with a burden of sin tonight. No one recognized, felt, and maybe you've come to this gospel meeting and you're saying, I, I wonder, is it possible to have forgiveness? Is it possible to have peace with God? Is it possible to have this heavy burden, not on my back, but on my soul? Is it possible to have this loosed? One of the first jobs I had when I went to Newfoundland, some of the men had gone into the woods, and the uh, first job I was given was to roll all the logs out of the woods. And some of them we had to carry on our shoulders, and I wasn't used to that. I had done construction work, but I'd never worked in the woods. And, you know, it was great when someone came along and took the both ends, and they just kind of, loosed it from my shoulders. Heavy load, hard work. And you know, when it comes to sin, it's a heavy burden. There is one who is able to loose you from your sins and loose your sins from you. There is. And that's, of course, the, the whole truth of the gospel. But you have to face your sin. You have to face your burden because you see, friend, your sin is known to God. Known to God. There's an awful lot of things done in secret. There's an awful lot of things that are covered tonight. There are emails sent that you hope no one ever reads. There are places visited that you hope no one will ever find out. But the Bible says all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Your sins are known. 
but not only no one, do you understand this? They are recorded. God has a record book. And every single sin that we have ever committed is not only known, but recorded by God. Maybe hidden from others, but known and recorded by God. This comes to mind was a, was a young father whose marriage had fallen apart. He'd found another, another friend that he became engaged to, and he and his fiancée were preparing to get married, but they were having some difficulties with visiting rights. His ex-wife and her boyfriend weren't cooperating. He just went to his lawyer and said, what can I do? My ex-wife is not allowing me to visit my daughter and son. That lawyer gave him just a very simple piece of advice, and within just a matter of a few days, he and his girlfriend disappeared. Search was made, and finally, in a very shallow grave just beneath the surface, their two bodies were found. You know, within just a matter of a month or two, the ex-wife and her boyfriend were arrested, and a court case was was set. And that ex-wife and her boyfriend came into that courtroom with just sense of ease, uh, laughing, joking, thinking this was this was just a big joke because there was no evidence, and they thought they would get off scot-free. But everything changed when the defense lawyer came in front of the judge, and he says, Judge, he says, I just have one piece of evidence. And he put a little micro-cassette on the table, and he pressed the start button. For the next 18 minutes, a brutal murder was recorded and played with chilling clarity. You see, what the lawyer had told us, Go back to your ex-wife. Demand visiting rights. But he said, before you go, get a little microset and just tape it on the inside of your shirt. Make sure it's on. Just record what she says. And that microcassette recorded the angry words. It recorded the, the pushing and the jostling. It recorded at gunpoint how they were forced into a car, into the trunk. It recorded the gunshot blast the cries, the appeals, the laughter of an ex-wife and her husband. And as that microcassette was played, 18 minutes of murder was brought into view with chilling clarity. What are you going to do when God presses the start button? Your life and your choices and your sin and your repulsion of the gospel and your opportunity to get saved will all be given in full evidence with chilling clarity. See, tonight, friend, your sin is serious. And not only is it known and recorded, but you are accountable for your sin. Every sin, every transgression will receive a just recompense and reward. But I'm so thankful I can tell you that your sins can be loosed, released. In fact, that's the whole truth of redemption, isn't it? In fact, as Peter wrote to those people that were being scattered over the persecution, he said, you've not been redeemed, you've not been set free, you've not been loosed from your sins by corruptible things, but you have been set free by the precious blood of Christ. And tonight there are individuals in this audience and we have had our sins loosed. We have been set free to appreciate the Lamb of God who loved us, who gave himself for us. And that's why tonight the entire message comes right down to this. And friend, I want to close with this. It comes down to one person. Who is he? He's the Lord, the Lord. As Paul said, we preach not ourselves. This is not about us. It's not about a a lineup. This is not about words that all start with the same letter. This goes far beyond all of that. This is a message concerning a person. We preach not ourselves. We are preaching Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Lord. And tonight there is a Savior in heaven. And he is the Lord of life and glory. Who is he? 
He's the one who has a personal interest in every one of us. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He knows where you are. He knows what seat you're sitting on. He knows what you've done today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows any desire or lack thereof. But he has a personal interest in you. He knows your name. And the love of God is such that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Who is the Lord? He's the one who's marked by amazing grace. The Bible says we know the grace, his grace. He who is rich for our sakes became poor. A riches to rag story. Now we like it happen the other way. And there's all kinds of examples of people that started with nothing and worked their way up until they, they had fabulous riches. That didn't mark the Son of God. He who was rich for our sakes, he became poor. He says, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He never owned a home, never had a place to call home. Some friends invited him in on times. He was poor. Why did he become poor? Just so that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Ah, but this wondrous person is marked by sacrificial love. You know, my audience is old enough, I think, to remember 9-11. In most of our memories tonight, 9-11 still stands with freshness. And in 9-11, there were men, and with sacrificial hatred, they gave their lives to take other men's lives with them. A dastardly deed. But we're here to tell you about a man who came from heaven to sacrificially lay down his life that your life might be saved, that your sins might be forgiven. He could say, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Who is this, Lord? He's the one who made a once-for-all sacrifice, who settled the greatest debt. It wasn't his debt, it was our debt. But in that all-encompassing work at the cross, when he suffered the just for the unjust, when he suffered for our sins, when he bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, he accomplished that great work. He settled that great debt. He satisfied the very justice of God. He cried, it's finished. That means it's done forever. Fulfilled. Nothing left to, to add. And tonight you could leave this meeting appreciating that finished work and appreciating the man who did it. You see, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Who is he as I close? He's the one that every knee will bow before. Every single one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us will one day bow before him because, you see, he is the Lord. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I'll be able to bow before him and say, my Lord, my God, my Savior, how are you going to bow? You see, friend, it comes right down to this. He stands with outstretched arms, and I'll close with the same verse. He says, you come to me, come unto me, all ye that labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will loose you from your sins tonight. Yes, it's the Lord Jesus Christ alone who can loose you from the burden of your sin and truly give you rest. Again, I repeat the closing scripture. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful promise from the Lord Jesus himself. Why don't you come to him today, now, just as you are? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, 
or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.